The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the April 26th meeting of the Budget and Appropriation Committee. I'm Supervisor Connie Chan, Chair of the Committee. I'm joined by Vice Chair Raphael Mendelman and Supervisor Shaman Walton. Uh, we will shortly be joined by Supervisor Asha Safai and Hillary Ronan. Uh, our clerk is Brent Khalipa. I would like to thank SFGovTV, uh, Paul Murillo, uh, for broadcasting uh, this meeting. And Mr. Clark, do you have any announcement? Thank you, Madam Chair. With our return to the chamber, just a friendly reminder for those in attendance to please make sure to silence all cell phones and electronic devices. Uh, the Board of Supervisors and its committees are now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. Uh, the Board recognizes that equitable public access is essential. It will be taking public comment as follows. Uh, first, public comment uh, will be taken on each item on the agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first and then we will take those who are waiting on the telephone line. And for those uh, watching remotely and streaming through sfgovtv.org, the public comment call-in number is streaming across the screen. And when connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you'll be muted and in listening mode only. Uh, when your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak, and those on the telephone should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you are on your telephone, please remember to turn on your TV and all listening devices you may be using, and each speaker will be allowed up to two minutes to speak unless otherwise stated. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Budget and Appropriations Committee Clerk at B-R-E-N-T dot J-A-L-I-P-A at S-F-G-O-V dot O-R-G. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and also included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments to us via the U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall. That's one, Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, uh, Room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. And finally, Madam Chair, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors' agenda of May 2nd, unless otherwise stated. Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, could you please call item number one? Yes, item number one uh, is a resolution adopting the city's 10-year capital plan expend expenditure plan for fiscal years uh, 2024 to uh, 2033 pursuant to the administrative code. Members of the public who wish to provide comment should call 415-655-0001 uh, with the meeting ID of 2592-1927055, then press pound twice. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three line up to speak. Hey, prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand and please wait while the system indicates you have been admitted and you may begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. And uh, this item actually uh, is continued from last week because we made amendments, uh, particularly we made the amendments to this uh, capital plan uh, with the language proposed by Supervisor Peskin uh, to basically swapping out uh, the timeline for the affordable housing and shelter bond, a $200 million worth of it uh, from November to March 2024, and then the public health and shelter bond from March 2024 to November 2024, which is worth about $300 million worth of it. Um, today, we still have uh, Mr. Brian Strong here um, from Capital Planning. Um, I, we don't need a presentation because we already really had one. Uh, but today, I would like to make just uh, a, as a quick question and answer, particularly I think that uh, colleagues, we have received, you know, requests from uh, our climate, um, you know, 
advocates and specifically really about the concerns on the climate uh, action uh, and climate, you know, the city's climate action plan and how do we really implement that plan. Um, Supervisor Hillary Ronan is going to join us shortly, except she's actually in um, the Metropolitan MTC. Huh? Transportation Commission, uh, and she's actually delayed, you know, uh, and I totally understand that. We switched the time from typically 1.30 to, to noon so that we can get through this today. This is the only item on the Budget and Appropriation Committee agenda. Um, you know, and Supervisor Ronan has uh, articulated last time that, you know, we, we do understand, and of course this body has heard uh, the Climate Action Plan and uh, uh, actually uh, introduced um, uh, by Vice Chair Mendelman. Uh, this body is supportive of it. Of course, we care about the environment. Um, where I am is, is very similar to what Supervisor Ronan has brought up last time, that, you know, it's looking at all these bond uh, that is in the pipeline, thinking about really how do we incorporate uh, our climate action plan into all these. Um, I do believe in reality what we actually ought to do as a city, both uh, to be uh, fiscally responsible, but also really look to the uh, future and understand that we need, must take climate action is that every bond should be a climate action bond. And what it is that we must do is to incorporate the climate action goals within everything that we do, and how do we incorporate that? So today, I think, Mr. Strong, I think the question uh, for you, and I believe that we have someone from Department of the Environment, which is, yeah, Mr. Uh, Char Charlie Shahan, like is here to, to answer those questions. I think the questions for us is how do we make sure as we move forward with all the bonds in the starting from 2024 and on out, and I think that's part of the Mr. Brian's, uh, you know, Strong's presentation last time, including the climate action components. So, is there a space, Mr. Brian Strong, that you could actually, you know, the Capital Planning Committee can actually work with the Department of Environment to incorporate to both the two goals, like for the very least, is decarbonization as well as water conservation within all these infrastructure projects, a capital planning project, making sure that in the, the, the process of design and the, when we determine the scope of the bond program, that we actually have be a contingency in terms of uh, budget and design that we incorporate those functions. Both can speak. Okay. One after another. Anyway, um, good afternoon, uh, members of the committee. Brian Strong with the Office of Resilience and Capital Planning. Thanks for having me back. Uh, yes, I think unequivocally we are looking at all of our projects in terms of how can we ensure that they are, that climate mitigation, as we talked about, so reducing greenhouse gases and all those things are incorporated into them. These are things that are that you adopted as part of Chapter 7 reforms too, so they are in our code that we are moving away from electric building, I mean away from use, use of natural gas and those types of things. Um, and then similarly, uh, when we look at our projects, we actually, and we, we do our budget analysis and those types of things, we are looking at them from three or four different perspectives. One of them has to do with resilience, the other has to do with climate change, the other has to do with seismic vulnerability. So we, we are taking those things into consideration whenever a project is being proposed or coming before us. Um, I think the other question that Supervisor Ronan was asking about, 
at the last meeting was how are we measuring some of the impacts mm -hmm. of the decisions that we've made. And you know, I mentioned we've been doing lead silver and now lead, lead gold requirements for our buildings going back, I don't know, Gerald, 20 years, I think, at least, that we've had those requirements. And, and it, it is something I think that we would be interested in working on, which is trying to understand more clearly how those projects impact the environment. Um, and the lead isn't always the best way to do it because I think there are so many different lead categories that that you that reduction in greenhouse gas may be one thing um, amongst a whole number of different things around improving light, yeah. improving mm -hmm. the air quality, you know, and those things that that get worked into their formula. Um, but I'm not by any means an expert on that. So, and if you had anything to. Uh, yep. Mr. Sheehan, I think that you should talk a little bit about actually Vice Chair Mandelman's legislation which repealed the Green Building Code and, you know, how that actually will be incorporated and be part of, you know, uh, how that would be applicable in terms of, like, a bond program. Sure. Um, again, Charles Sheehan, um, San Francisco Environment Department, thank you for uh, having us today. Thank you to my colleague, uh, Brian Strong. Um, in terms of kind of some of the green building codes that we have passed, implemented, put into policy over the past couple of years, I think the most recent was our Chapter 7 update, um, which applies to city municipal buildings and facilities and ensures that um, we do a number of things, but the critical item for this topic is that when a gas boiler or a gas appliance in a city building fails or is beyond its useful life and needs to be replaced, um, the city will have to replace it with an all-electric one. And so the effect of that is an immediate reduction in greenhouse gases. Um, and I want to connect that to what Supervisor Mandelman did a couple of years ago with his all-electric new construction ordinance. And so today, when we build a new building here in the city, um, it's all-electric. It's not utilizing natural gas. And that's exactly where we want to be. It promotes better air quality indoor. It doesn't contribute to the city's emissions. But it doesn't reduce the city's emissions. It just makes sure, makes sure that with every new building, we're not adding GHG into the, into the air. What we need to do kind of, you know, going forward is to look at existing buildings to make sure we're taking out the gas appliances so we can reduce. And that's what I think we want to keep in mind when we're looking at tracking GHGs in our 10-year capital plan. And we're looking at the types of projects that might be in the 10-year capital plan. You know, any new building that's going to be built, it's going to be all electric. It's great. It's not going to add. But we also need to subtract. And that means taking out gas, um, taking out fossil fuel infrastructure, and making sure that we are reducing what we put into the atmosphere. And so that's kind of, I think, where we need to be focused on going forward. And that's how it kind of relates to our previous building codes. And I know there's probably going to be some more green building code updates coming forward that get at that issue of, existing buildings and replacing gas for electric. Thank you. Uh, Vice Chairman Doman, do you have anything to add or? Um, well, the, the, in generally in terms of thoughts on capital plan at this point or? Anything, yeah, or related to the action, I mean, climate action. I, or anything, anything I'm thinking about. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't feel, like, Mr. Sheehan can sit down. I, I don't, I, I, 
I feel like this capital plan at this moment is a work in progress. I, I don't, w without any um, l lack of respect or, uh, you know, um, uh, sort of commendation for the hard work that's gone into it. I know a lot of people are trying to bring a lot of things together and fulfill a lot of priorities, and I um, and I commend the office, uh, the Office of Resilience and Capital Planning for um, herding those cats. I'm not totally thrilled. I'm actually quite unthrilled with where the cats have landed, and um, and and I don't know that there's agreement about. I mean, the the difficult part is you know you've got the bureaucratic cats to herd, and then there's the political cats, and the political cats are not in agreement either necessarily. I, on environment, have two concerns about where our capital plan is. One is I do think that waiting until 2026 for a bond that should have happened in 2022 is way too, for a transportation bond, is, is just, is too long. And I think waiting that all that time and, and then coming in with a number that is less by 100 million than what we were gonna to try to do in 2022 is also not what I want for our public transportation system. And that is 40% of our greenhouse gas emissions, but it's also just, we're talking about adding 80,000 know, uh, housing units over this time. Like, how are we gonna make that work with you know, the, the transportation? Like, the physics don't work. And to me, that's a problem. And I would think climate activists, but also transit activists, I think a whole bunch of people ought to be concerned about that. I also think, that there are investments that we could make out of bond funds in some of the things, uh, not just that the public is gonna be, public sector is gonna be asked to do over the next few years, but private actors as well. And often private actors who don't have tremendous access to resources. And how much of that we wanna be trying to subsidize, I don't know. But whether it is us changing you know, our requirements for, and, and actually demanding um, that existing buildings, you know, gra gradually switch out. Whether we do it or not, the state's going to do it. Bachman's going to do it. Somebody's going to do it, and it's going to happen. And if we haven't done some planning for it and come up with some resources to support, you know, the the, the private actors who don't have the money to make it, it's just there's going to be a smash up at some point. Um, now, uh, <coughs> what that menu looks like, I think, is still to be determined and so I don't know I think we might well be able, if, if we had a transportation bond we could move forward with in 2024 I think it would make sense to put some additional climate investments in that maybe related to EV charging maybe related to um, other to building decarb maybe related to trees I think there's a whole bunch of stuff that we could do as part of you know a transportation and climate bond that would be exciting in 2024 but I would agree that I don't think we're there and I don't know that the, the, the city is there, I, I think we should try to get there. Um, and then the other, this is not environment, but the other sort of anxiety I have about this capital plan, as I expressed last, last time, is I have real trouble with a public health bond unless we have done the work to better think through our capital needs around severe mental illness before we put that in front of the voters. So this, I'm not voting on any bonds right now, I'm happy about that, I'm voting on a, a plan that is you know, gonna change and gonna get amended and, um, I hope get amended, and um, you know. So I think there's conversations to go forward. But before I get asked to support bonds in 2024, I hope we can address some of the concerns I just raised. Thank you, and Supervisor Walton. Thank you so much, Chair Chan, and again, just you know, thank you to the Capital Planning Committee and uh, the entire city leadership who put the work into trying to do the best we can with the obviously. So far, bleak 
financial forecast, uh, trying to ch cap capture and really address competing interests while at the same time trying to do the best we can with the resources that are going to be available during this climate. Um, I think that you know, the messaging should be that we are trying to do everything we can for the best of the city, for the betterment of the city, uh, working with the region, working, of course, with the all city leadership, and at the same time understanding that you know, there are some major things that we need to tackle, affordable housing, transportation, uh, climate change, uh, safety. Everything that we have to do in, in this city is important, and I definitely agree with Supervisor Ronan and the conversation chair Chan was starting around trying to make sure that we incorporate climate goals into everything we do. And I, I agree with the community and advocates that as we do that, obviously it has to come with real resources and real support and something tangible to really affect climate change. And so I look forward to con continuing that work and also understanding that there's so many things that we're trying to tackle moving into 2024. I will say like Supervisor Mendelman, being able to even jump out there right now and say what I would be excited about supporting in terms of a bond in general uh, is just something that, you know, is going to take some more thought and, and, and more work and definitely not going to be solved here in this room today. And I've had conversations with advocates and talked about that just to the fact of what we're facing from a, a budgetary standpoint and all of the, the priorities that are very important to all of us. Uh, being competing and trying to do the best we can to address them all. So thank you to the committee. Thank you to my colleagues. Thank you to the advocates. We'll continue to work to, of course, address every concern we can and, and put the resources behind it. But we have to be thoughtful about how, how we do that. Thank you, Chair Chan. Thank you, Supervisor Walton. Supervisor Safai. Thank you. Thank you for all the hard work on behalf of the City Administrator's Office, Capital Plan Committee, and all the different stakeholders and interest group and community activists that have been involved in this conversation. Uh, I'll just reiterate slightly some of the things I said last week. There is additional capacity. I think Supervisor President Peskin is going to talk about that as well. There definitely is additional capacity that needs to be realized for affordable housing. Um, that is an important aspect of what we're trying to accomplish. Other thing, um, I said this last time, I still have tremendous reservations about some of the proposals as it relates to physical shelters and the amount of r return we're getting on the investment there uh, per bed. I think there might be other options out there that are much more impactful. So uh, I reserve uh, the right in future conversations as we amend this plan to continue to have those conversations. Um, and then lastly, I think there's not enough consideration, as I said last week, to uh, some of our environmental goals and the environmental plans that we have. Um, there are opportunities, I think, in some of the existing proposals that we have that could uh, relate and impact the environment in a positive way, uh, but we need to be thinking about that uh, going forward. Um, so I'll reserve the rest of my comments. I don't want to reiterate everything I said last week, but uh, we still have a lot of work to do. Thank you. Thank you. And Supervisor Ronan. Thank you. I'm sorry I missed most of this conversation. I was stuck in MTC, but I, I just got a little recap from Supervisor Mandelman and just say I want to agree. Uh, not ready to commit to a, a bond, a specific bond yet for 2024, and 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 glad that we're we're going to keep working on it. And it seems we're 
where most of us are. So just wanted to put that on the record. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Ronan. Uh, welcome to the chamber, President Peskin, and the floor is yours. Thank you, Chair Chan and members of the Budget and Appropriations Committee, and uh, appreciate your deliberations over the capital plan, which is really an opportunity for uh, us to weigh the fundamental priorities of our society. Uh, and as I said last week, um, or invoke the words of our former controller, Ed Harrington, that there is an unlimited amount of need and a limited amount of resources, and uh, that's what the capital plan tries to uh, make sense of over time, and uh, important uh, document, and is, uh, I think, quite thorough and forward-reaching, and, and boils down to the issues of our time, climate change, sea level rise, uh, transportation infrastructure, affordable housing, uh, as well as the basic uh, things that cities rely on, the repaving of our streets, making sure that our libraries and public buildings and public health facilities are in a state of good repair. Um, and I think the report, uh, the plan, you know, sets all of that forth, um, and hopefully we will uh, economically recover and be able to pay more as we go. Uh, but the issue that we were grappling with uh, last week uh, has to do with the immediate order of bonds, wherein uh, I suggested that we consider, and thank you colleagues for um, voting, uh, to uh, consider flipping the bond schedule of the uh, affordable housing homeless bond that was scheduled for November of 24 with the Department of Public Health bond that was scheduled for March of 24. Thank you for uh, at least allowing that conversation to continue. Um, the plan is a plan, the rubber hits the road when the board actually votes to put things on the ballot, but at least this uh, leaves space for that conversation. In the intervening week, colleagues, uh, and we can hear from the controller, uh, we have a little bit of good news based on uh, some new property tax information, uh, which is that uh, even within our self-imposed constraints, wherein we issue no more debt than we retire, we actually have a little bit more bond capacity, um, and we can hear uh, how that works, and we all received yesterday a high-level uh, report from the controller's office. But what that means in real terms for us is that for 2024, there's an additional $150 million of capacity. We heard last week from the Department of Public Health that flipping the bonds uh, would lead to an approximately $9.9 .9 million of additional cost in that eight-month delay, which seemed like a lot, but uh, what I was going to propose is that we take that 150 and put 140 of it into the affordable housing bond for March and the balance of 10 into the affordable, uh, into the public health bond uh, for November of 24 and would, uh, after we hear from the controller and the public, uh, respectfully request a further resolved uh, to the resolution that the board amends the capital plan to revise the amounts of the general oblig obligation bond scheduled for 2024 such that the amount of the affordable housing and shelter bond shall increase to 340 million from its original 200 and the amount of the public health uh, bond be increased to 320 million from its 310. 
Um, and again, we can continue to talk about these as uh, we have to actually make real decisions as March and then subsequently November of next year approach. Um, but I know that the controller's office is here. I'm happy to answer any questions, but that's what I was going to throw out there for your consideration. This, by the way, would lead to another one-week continuance because this is deemed to be substantive, which means that the capital plan would not be voted on by the full board until May the 9th. Uh, the code says we're supposed to do it by May the 1st. The change that we made last week was going to put us in administrative code jail for a day. This would lead to eight days, but um, I think it's a no harm, no foul situation. Uh, but I just wanted everybody to know that by way of full disclosure. Thank I, you, Supervisor Ronan. Actually, really quickly, um, Madam Chair, uh, sorry to interrupt, but just wanted to note that with the presence of our board president and the arrival of uh, Member Ronan, uh, we have been convened as a special meeting of the Board of Supervisors as of 1225. Thank you. Supervisor Ronan? Thank you. Um, two questions through the chair to President Peskin. Um, number one, is it is it necessary to add this 150 in, given that we're all saying that we're not really ready to say what we think is ripe and ready and correct for, for 2024 bonds, number one. And number two, if there is a reason to include that 150 now, I'm wondering why you would, you, what's the justification behind putting 140 into the housing bond and 10 into the uh, public health bond, where as my gut would be to do the opposite, the behavioral health needs that we have are through the roof. And um, we are going to have a regional bond um, in uh, November, housing bond, uh, from anywhere from 10 to 20 billion dollars and so if we're going to add extra money anywhere I would I would actually do it re reverse or put all 150 into the public health bond so to supervisor Ronan through the chair I would answer in a couple of ways um, one is pursuant to what we heard from the mayor's office of housing as to what their need is and what they have identified that, uh, and they showed three quarters of a billion dollars last week of identifiable need for real projects. Um, and in the same breath, and by the way, they are available, I think Ms. Uh, Ely is available um, by phone and is listening. Uh, in the same breath, I, I don't know that there has been enough actual planning, and I say this respectfully to um, some of my friends in the environmental community as it relates to a climate change bond, which is there needs to be enough specificity in a bond and enough planning in a bond and enough CEQA if you have named projects in a bond in advance of when you actually pull the trigger and vote to put it on a ballot. And so in the case of DPH, I don't know that enough of that is formed to, I mean, if we were just to stick with the current schedule and say DPH, which by the way has a very, very cl 
clear list of projects in that $310 million. I mean, we know what the health centers are. A lot of planning has gone into them. There's design and working drawings on them. It is not a, and there's been CEQA done on named projects. Uh, as compared to a more amorphous, uh, they need more money for yet to be named projects. And I say that also to my friends um, who are, uh, I think we're all equally concerned about the imperative of today, which is sea level rise and climate change. And we've addressed them in some things, like we actually did that level of work as it related to the seawall bond for Proposition A for the port, but it's, it, we need to actually do the advanced work of drilling down and saying, we're gonna spend, if you vote for this, this is what we're gonna spend the money on. I don't think that that's been, I don't think we we're ready yet. Um, certainly if we were to add that for a March DPH bond. So that would be my high level um, response. I also, I think we've heard, that also gives, by the way, DPH a little bit more time to, uh, you know, get their ducks in a row as well, but. Thank you, and uh, Vice Chair Mandelman. Oh, did that, sorry, did they answer your questions, Supervisor Ronan? You're gonna noodle on it for a minute and then probably come back. Vice Chair Mandelman. Um, I guess I, I share the question of whether we need to, uh, whether we need to decide about this $150 million today, because I would expect, I mean, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, and my experience with the Department of Public Health and their limited uh, sort of real estate planning resources would lead me to believe that notwithstanding my strong desire to have a Laguna Honda's worth of mental health facilities rolling on out sometime in the next five years, <laughs> like, you know, and, and my sense that we have a huge need for it, yeah, I think it is entirely possible that even with supervisors pushing for it and the administration maybe buying into it, that there will not be the ability for the Department of Public Health and whoever else needs to figure out the operating costs and the particular design and the mix of locked facilities and not locked facilities and where they go and how all of that would work. And so I can well imagine that we would reach a point where we're like, well, we have these housing needs, we know we have housing needs, and we should just put this money into some actual housing projects that are gonna get built, even though the critical crying abomination of a need in San Francisco right now and in California, in my view, is for longer term facilities for people with severe mental illness and it is a need that we continue not to meet year after year after year after year and things get worse and worse and worse and I think it is San Francisco's biggest problem. Um, that be, but that being said, once this money is in the health or in the housing bond, I know it's not coming out. Like, you know, once we say this money is going to housing, Supervisor Ronan, myself, we're going to have a very hard time saying, oh no, that housing development is not going to happen. Um, you know, we're gonna, so, and then it'll be a too bad, so sad. The next public health bond will be coming in 2030. Um, and, uh, and those of us on the board who are, you know, filled with anxiety and consternation about this can encourage our successors to carry the torch further. But, um, you know, I take, I very much take President Peskin's point, which is like, you gotta do what you have the ability to do. And that may well be housing, but it bums me out and I'm not totally ready to say that right now. 
before I go to Supervisor Safai, could we just have like maybe a technical question answer? Like, I, I think that while we say today in amending this legislation and then we indicate the dollar amount that we would like to increase, but there's nothing, well, I guess that is perhaps what Vice Chair Mandelman is saying, but, but what I'm saying technically, if we were to up the dollar amount today, uh, we could, in the, in the event that when, the, when whichever bond actually proposed going forward, we don't actually have to, it just give us a not to exceed amount, but it doesn't actually say you must go with this dollar amount. I think that we have done that before in adjust, adjusting. I don't know who I'm asking this question to, I guess the controller. Hi, good afternoon. Um, Anna Van Degna from the controller's office of public finance. Um, it is correct if you were to, to move forward with the capital plan now, we would need to come back to the board for another act, action item before we could bring any general obligation bonds forward. So there would be another opportunity to, to discuss and revisit this. In terms of the dollar amount? Yes. And then if we do not increase the dollar amount, let's just say uh, today, uh, or to amend uh, to, for the increase, oh. can we then by the time that it does come to us that we increase the dollar amount then? And I'm sorry, I thought the, the question wasn't on the total. I thought it was um, just in terms of the individual uh, amount of the individual bond mm -hmm. authorization. Right. So, I mean, because today we're, we're, we're sort of drilling it down to say specifically we would like to increase the dollar amount for each bond uh, to $340 million for the affordable housing and shelter and then 320 for the public health and shelter is the dollar amount that we're, we're looking at and discussing right now at this moment. I think the colleagues and, and all of us have, I think all five of us on this committee has expressed the fact that we're not really into any of it, um, but we understand that we should approve a capital plan with this time, you know, that we, we agree to even the flipping it. And that, again, was just kind of uncertain because we all are actually waiting for an actual proposal that come to us with the more specific details on the scope of the work and, and how it actually works. And that, what I'm saying is, what about the dollar amounts? In the events that we amend, increase. Nothing is stopping us from decreasing it back to its original dollar amount. But if we, in the event we don't increase it today, does that mean that we're, we will be limiting ourselves? I think that's the question that I have and that we want to know, right? Like, what is the flexibility? Happy to have our city attorney to answer that too. Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson. So, the plan is just a plan, and um, it is intended to reflect the board's vision and to direct the departments in what need, you know, in the direction that you would like to go in. Because there is a lot of work that needs to be done to prepare to uh, for the bond, but it does not bind you to these dollar amounts. And um, as has been said before, you will have another opportunity to act on the actual bonds before they're approved. And then I think that's a question probably for Mr. Strong that, you know, we just talked about that in need of details, like scope of 
you know, we, we need to figure out, scope out a, a bond program. That's in order for us to actually have the details and be able to say, yes, we approve this, and yes, we, we, support, we can support this without having that dollar amount, though, right? Like, the, to know how much you can flex in between. It's hard to determine what the bond program actually would look like in terms of scope of, of work. I mean, I think as the deputy city attorney was saying, it, it's a plan, it's a signal, and it's what, and we need that to sort of develop the bond programs around. So, um, so if we're not sure, and certainly we have had in the past, typically what happens is when we get to the board with the bond, typically it goes up. We haven't had many situations that I can recall where it goes down, um, but it is, for us to work with departments and to develop the bond program and what President Peskin was saying around having the detailed programs, which we know are important, not just, it's, it's important to the voters, it's important to, you know, to the members here, so everyone is very clear and is very transparent what the dollars are gonna be used for. Um, it is helpful to know what the target is, you know, as, as much as we can. Yeah, Supervisor Safayi. Um, <clears throat> I want to say I, I agree with the proposed uh, amendment because I think it's really clear. I mean, listen, if we're even a little bit serious about trying to achieve uh, 82,000 units, many of which are affordable, we have to have the money in the bond to achieve that. I think $200 million bond for affordable housing would be one of the smallest that we've had in some time. Um, and in this market, the cost of construction, the cost of lending, the cost of building has all, all increased. And I agree with Sue Ruzzer Mandelman, and so that's why I say I reserve the right to make amendments in the future on how the utilization of the public health and, and homeless and supportive housing dollars are allocated. I mean, we could make the decision to say, Let's put some of that money toward med psych beds in a specific location. I mean, so that is something that we have the flexibility to do, but we do need to make the move to add to, and that I think is what one of the things we've all kind of collectively agreed, that we should utilize the capacity now, the need is now, it is, it is dire in terms of trying to achieve and building more affordable housing. So uh, as much as I'm not ready to finalize exactly how the specificity of all the aspects of the plan, I think making the move to put the money in that bucket is important. And there are ongoing negotiations and conversations about how we deal with our inclusionary housing, how we deal with kind of jump-starting affordable housing building altogether, and I think this is a piece of that that's really important. So I, I would say I, I agree with that amendment coming forward. Okay. Well, thank you, um, Supervisor Savay. And before I go to Supervisor Walton, um, I, I wanted to add to the point that was just made. Uh, I, I would, I too, when it comes to the affordable housing bond, I would like to actually have a clarification about whether affordable housing is really defined as public works project, and whether then, as a result, would be covered by our project labor agreement uh, or ordinance in, in the, on a local level. So those are the things I'm eager to learn more about, and before I can make that decision as well. Well, um, uh, and after Supervisor Walton, uh, let's go to public comment. Supervisor Walton. Thank you, uh, Chair Chan. Just real quick, we can't increase the bandwidth without stating exactly where we want to direct the $150 million? 
So, so currently the way that, that we model the, the geo bond capacity is, is we typically program um, the additional capacity to a specific um, project, but I would I don't know, defer to, to Brian Strong on um, if there's another way to do that. But, and so I understand that's the practice, but is that, is that something we have to do? No, you do not have to do that. So, and we've, we've had situations where there is capacity where we haven't used capacity in the past, where we save it for future use. Um, so that, that is an option. Typically that capacity has been in, in the out years of the capital plan because there's so much we know immediate need. So I would just say that's, you know, if you leave that capacity, it does mean there may be, there, there's gonna be pressure to spend it probably on the next bond, whatever the bond is. Correct. So, but yeah, but it's, no, we can do that. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Ronan. And then if, if this, could we go to public comments too? Because I think we have public comments waiting too. Sure, sure. I just wanted to make a, a couple more points. I, so I, you know, I, I'm missing actually a retreat right now uh, that the MTC is having where they're gonna discuss in detail the 10 to $20 billion regional bond for housing. Uh, I think that that bond is going to be a heavy lift, but you know there is all hands on deck approach to to getting it on, getting it passed. It will go on the November ballot, and there's going to be a massive campaign around it. Part of me worries that if we have a local and, and San Francisco voters are going to be a major piece of that puzzle of getting that bond passed. Part of me worries, and I talked to President Peskin about the fact that it's really hard to poll on this um, and that there probably will be a very different voter pool in March than November. But part of me worries that if we have a large housing bond in March, San Francisco voters are gonna say, we just voted on that and then be less likely to vote on a much larger bond, the size that we've been needing in the region. <laughs> Uh, to deal with our housing crisis. And so the, I have some strategic questions and some pause about the housing bond in general, let alone increasing it um, right now. And, and I, I don't know the answer. I think we need to, to think about it, and, you know, maybe investigate some potential polling on that question. Um, but to me, the priority should be uh, that massive regional bond in November and doing everything in our power to pass it because that not only gives San Francisco the kind of money that we need to really meet, not only meet the, the projects that have been named by MOHCD that are ready to go, but, but, but more projects than that. And then the regions of affordable housing need so all that pressure isn't constantly on San Francisco alone, uh, which you know it is basically right now. In terms of public health, and behavioral health. Um, you know, what comes to mind for me is a, a couple budgets ago, we started a fund that is now completely wiped out uh, to increase the amount of cooperative living permanent supportive housing for people living with severe mental illness. Uh, it's a model that we have in San Francisco. We don't have any funding to expand it. It's an incredibly successful program. It provides permanent solution for people living with mental illness. 
Um, it's integrated in neighborhoods. Uh, so, you know, you're putting people, you're, you're giving folks a chance to have a normal life. Uh, we don't have a source for, for, for that really important program. That would require no operating costs from the city. And it's just one example of a, an option. Which program? It's cooperative permanent housing for people living with mental got illness. It, uh, Progress Foundation Baker Place runs several facilities. And the, once you get the capital for the program, it, it pays for itself through Medi-Cal um, because Medi-Cal pays for the 24-hour off-site uh, supportive uh, providers to the people living there. And the people living there are an SSI and pay their portion of the rent. It pay, you don't need operating costs for that program. The reason it doesn't expand is because, you know, Progress, Baker, they don't have the capital to, to buy the buildings where these cooperative models work. But I, I'm just throwing it out as an example of where we could expand. It's, it is affordable housing, but it's particularly affordable housing for people living with permanent serious mental illness um, that, 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 that DPH contracts for. We have a, a fund that exists that currently has no money in it. When we put a $10 million uh, general fund uh, allocation to it it was used and we have successful now programs operating actually one is in the mission um and you know it's just an example but when i talk to greg wagner uh it's one of many that 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 dph could use even though there's not you know a a, a real planned product project right now to build a 24-hour behavioral health center which we need desperately um there are many projects that or we could buy a building um you know, and, and then we'd have the operating fund issues. But my gut would be if either to just leave it out there, which I'm fine with, or if not, to put it in the behavioral health bond, not the housing bond. Um, I, I still have many questions about the housing bond. I think we have endless needs in the behavioral health realm uh, for, for capital and uh, just wanted to make that clear. But I'm also fine not allocating it. Thank you. Um, Mr. Clark, let's go to public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now right along the curtains. And for those who have joined us remotely and haven't already done so, press star three if you wish to enter the speaker line. And for those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted. And that'll be your signal to begin your comments. And uh, yeah, I'll start your time once you begin speaking. Hi, Elena Engel, District 9. If you folks are confused, you, you better believe that we're confused because we don't understand all of the city processes. But what I'm hearing is you have $150 million that you, can add, that you can add to the bond program. You have been getting calls. You have been getting letters from climate activists. And you're not going to put it into climate? And I don't see why, according to the CLE, this couldn't be part of a housing bond that deals with existing housing, so it could reduce the GHGs if you decarbonized. And if you're going to do a housing, if you're going to do a climate bond, it isn't something that's just a byproduct of saying, well, we're doing this and it has some kind of climate effect. You have to actually set out to decarbonize, whether it's transportation or buildings. And I like what Supervisor Ronan said last time, let us put labels on bonds. What is the effect of this on climate? Does it add to it? 
New buildings are going to add to your climate burden, even if you make them very sustainable. But we need to know that. So you can't just say, well, I think it's in the capital plan and maybe it does something. You have to set out to make a, a, a climate bond. And I do have to insist this is an emergency. Business as usual, just don't cut it. And you folks, the whole board, voted in December to urge capital planning to put a climate bond in the schedule. There was no follow-up. So if you tell me, well, we'll do it next time or something, I want to know who's going to be responsible for that. Who's going to come to us and say, I am working on this, and it's going to appear now. Because last time, y'all didn't follow up. You said, oh, yeah, we want climate, great, we hear you. And I'd like to see labels on all bonds that explain, does this, does this add to climate or does it subtract? Thank you, Bunchelaine Angle, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Hi, I'm Sarah Greenwald, District 2. Um, yeah, to contextualize this, uh, I, I thank you for considering this bond schedule so much more carefully than I understand sometimes happens. That, that's an excellent sign that uh, you are really aware. Uh, and uh, just, you know, for the context, uh, you know that the Titanic is going down. There's no Carpathia coming to pick us up. So we would still like to see a climate bond in 2024. And I agree uh, that a good step forward failing that, uh, probably even after that, we need all the departments to be tracking the GHGs that result from their work. Uh, I understand that's been sort of in the mill for a while. Uh, and, and I guess, uh, I guess I have a follow-up question. If you don't have a climate bond, then uh, how are we going to raise the money to implement the Climate Action Plan? Open question. Can anyone answer? Thank you, Sarah Greenwald, for your question. I'm sorry, for your comments. <laughs> Next speaker, please. Hello. <clears throat> Um, supervisors, uh, my name is Ronnie Diamant-Wilson, and I'm a member of the 1,000 Grandmothers. Thank you for not approving the GO Bond schedule at the last meeting of the Budget and Appropriate uh, Appropriation Committee. We need to pull a climate bond on the ballot in 2024 to begin seriously and substantially funding the implementation of our city's climate action plan. We can't wait. The most recent IPCC report said that if we act now, we can fund, <clears throat> we can fend off the worst and um, secure a livable, sustainable future for us all. This does not mean just trying to prepare for the inevitable next disaster. It means doing all we can to reduce the actual cause of climate change. San Francisco must do its part to reduce our emissions, primarily from buildings and transportation. We need to make sure that there is money to take these actions and that people who cannot afford them are not left behind. Please find the way to include a climate bond on the ballot in 2024. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for your comments. Next speaker, please. Hi, my name is Judy Rosenfeld. I live in District 9 and um, with a thousand grandmothers. And first of all, you guys have a heck of a job. I don't know, I don't even know why you want this job. It's really, really hard. Every single meeting you go to, you are faced with one dilemma after another. I don't know how you keep it straight. And I applaud you for trying. It's far more than I could ever aspire to do or be able to do. Thank you. But please, we do, I know that you, I think you all agree that we need to address the climate change in this city. A huge thing that you guys can do is just coordinate. I've been to many different meetings on many different issues, and it's pointing the finger to one person. It's this agency, it's that agency, it's the mayor. But right now, you guys have the power, and it's you can do it. And I know that if you do, people will back you. People really will back you. It is within your power that to coordinate and to, to make sure that people are doing what they have to do, tracking. And I hope that there is money for a climate bond. I hope. If not, you guys have to, and we will help you tell us. We will help you figure out how do you track every single thing in the city that it is addressing climate. It must. It must. Um, thank you. Thank you for your work and for sitting through all these meetings. Thanks so much, Judy. Reservoir for your comments. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Joyce Calagos, District 11 with SFIE, but I'm also a spiritual mentor for the Laudato Sin Program Movements um, Animators Training Program. So, you've heard of Pope Francis, and he's written the book, Laudato Si, praise thee, my Lord. He's speaking to everyone on the planet to take care of your home. We're all interconnected and inter dependent, and actually I do have some suggestions. I'm a homeowner, and I can't afford to electrify my home. So I was in a meeting with the chapter of the Climate Reality, Pro Climate Reality Project, which is with Al Gore, and they said, check with Bayrens, B-A-Y-R-E-N-S. I kind of did, but hopefully if you can uh, if your bond or something down and down down the line, the budget can support things like Bayrens or like um, rebuilding together helped do some uh, um, repair work in my house. If you can put something in the budget to uh, well, that could be go for for affordable housing. You know, so, um, people who help uh, people who can't afford to re repair their home, rebuilding together San Francisco. Then for public housing, for public uh, health, um, I'm thinking of, uh, oh, climate, taking care of the climate is, is promoting public health. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I remember who you are. We are, the San, San, we are the city of San Francisco, the city of St. Francis, of Assisi, 
the patient saying if, if the animals, ecology, and environment. So remember who you are, act accordingly. Thank you, Joyce Gallagher, for your comments. Next speaker, please. Ooh, this is the big, big uh, com committee. I think this is the Budget Appropriations Committee. 10 years, you guys are gonna be doing this for 10 years. Capital expenditure. So capital, capital, big old buildings, assets, expenditure for 10 years. Okay, great, that's awesome. Um, so what I'm asking is, what is going on? What's going on? No answers, blank. You know what I mean? So uh, it's really crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine this being done to anybody? No, 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 no. Only you, only me, only me, only me. You be this Anybody, would this be done to anybody? No, 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 just me. Why? Because you're you, you're you. You end up at the end with a big old fortune, uh, which pays off for everything, you know what I mean? It pays it off. And is that really your values? Is that your values, you know what I mean? Is that what you value? You know, let's talk about values. Is that what you value? Is it, you value money? You know, if it's in a billion, who cares? I mean, do you value that more than, you know, your life? You know what I mean? So, um, this city is filled with a lot of great people. They make great decisions. They got big old degrees. Uh, they compute. You know, they do the arithmetic, the mathematics, and they tell you ten years, billions of dollars, blah 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 blah, bloom bloom bloom. They come here, they tell you about things, and you know they want to do, and then you know they're really smart. But who am I? I'm I'm dumb. He's dumb. He's dumb. He's stupid. He doesn't know shit. You know what I mean? Yo, excuse me. You know, you can't do it. You, you, you can't. You can't. You know, it's all you hear. It's all you hear. So I'm just wondering when I'm going to be free. When am I going to be free? When? Thanks so much for your comments. Seeing no further speakers here in the chamber, uh, we currently have Five members of the public listening to this meeting with four in the queue. Mr. Lamb, can you unmute our first one, please? Great. David Pilpel, good afternoon. Uh, I assume I can be heard. So I made uh, comments on this uh, issue here last week and at the Capital Planning Committee. I support the proposed capital plan. If the board is going to amend it, that's fine. But I think the text, the tables, the thinking, there's a lot of thinking behind this capital plan. It is well thought through, and staff at ORCP and the other uh, city departments are to be uh, appreciated for their work in making this capital plan happen and getting it to you. If there is another $150 million of bond capacity, I would primarily address general fund capital needs. The difference between the high scenario and the low scenario uh, for the pay-as-you-go program suggests that additional uh, bond capacity could be used to address those general fund capital needs in the next two years, including by way of a bond measure, which is not the best way to pay for things, but so be it. And fundamentally, I think at its core, the capital plan is about keeping city general fund and non-general fund assets in a state of good repair. These other things are nice to do. I'm certainly pro-environment. I am not anti-affordable housing, but I don't think those are core city general fund and non-general fund assets. So I would just remind the board of that. Thank you very much for listening on this difficult issue. 
Thank you much, David Bell, Bell for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Eileen Bogan, CSFN, speaking on my own behalf. Opposing unless amended. My concern is regarding the proposed earthquake safety and emergency response bond for 310 million to be on the November 2028 ballot. My concern is not seismic retrofit for police and fire station. My concern is not spending Easter bond on the emergency firefighting water system, also known as AWAS. My concern is how the PUC spends those Easter bond funds. The PUC has spent Easter bond funds on constructing new cisterns on the west side. It takes two fire engines to use a cistern, one to pump the water out of the cistern and one to put out the fire. Cisterns do not automatically refill. The PUC has used Easter bond funds for a flexible water supply system, but the hoses weighed 350 pounds and were too difficult to lift. And most recently, there has been a so-called drinking water AWAS, which relies on Lake Merced, which is not drinking water. AWAS was transferred from the fire department to the PUC by then Mayor Gavin Newsom. It was to balance the city's budget. DCA John Roddy handled the city attorney aspects of the transfer. I'm opposed to the Easter bond funding going to the PUC to fund its misguided policies. A solution would be to transfer AWAS engineering to DPW and AWAS administration to a new department under the city administrator. Thank you. Thank you, Eileen Boken, for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Good morning, good afternoon, rather. My name is Susan Green. I'm with the Climate Emergency Committee, and I'm back again this week. Um, as many of your comments today indicate, you know we can't afford to slow walk building and transit decarbonization in the city, regardless of all the serious competing demands for the city's limited resources. And I'm sure the next few years of heat waves and wildfires that El Nino conditions are likely to bring will make that even more apparent. Um, I'd like to respectfully disagree with President Tuscan that the current capital plan is thorough. It doesn't take into account the city's climate action plan. I'd suggest it doesn't in part because it lacks a representative who could champion the climate action plan's goals and work to ensure that every project in the plan incorporates carbon emission tracking and demonstrates carbon emissions reductions if relevant. As the current plan demonstrates, without such a voice on the capital planning committee, we're unlikely to develop future capital plans that incorporate the climate mitigation actions needed. That said, I'm heartened by your comments here today about rethinking the bond schedule and those acknowledging the need for real action on climate mitigation. Please find a way to allocate a significant amount of that new found 150 million in bond capacity to support building and transit decarbonization. Thank you. Thank you so much, Susan Green, for your comments. Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. The supervisors, while you are talking about the bonds, I want to take you to Laguna Honda. Do your supervisors feel ashamed that I could do nothing for Laguna Honda, which is a brand new building, and adjacent has an old building that can be put to use? 
we also ashamed that y'all are not providing a place with wraparound services for the mentally challenged. We have thousands of them roaming our streets. And some of our advocates do whatever we can. But every time you want to help somebody who has these mental problems, they want you to dole out money as much as five to $8,000 to help a mental patient a month. And y'all talk the talk, but y'all don't walk the walk. So I'm asking you supervisors, do y'all really want to help the constituents of San Francisco and the thousands that roam our streets and the thousands that are living in peril. Stop talking and start acting. Thank you very much. Thank you, Francisco DeCosta, for your comments. Uh, Mr. Lamb, next speaker, please. Good afternoon, members of the Budget and Appropriations Committee. My name is Charlie Summers. I'm calling on behalf of the Council of Community Housing Organizations and our 22 member organizations that are rooted in neighborhoods throughout the city, building the long-term resources to achieve San Francisco's housing elements, affordable housing goals, and stabilizing our local economy and its workforce is one of the most important decisions that the city will be making in the next few years. Many months stand between now and when the city shall ultimately make a decision on the 2024 bond cycle. We feel it is important that the city do its due diligence and keep open the possibility of a local affordable housing bond for next year's March presidential primary and November general election cycles. Here's why. The issuance of affordable housing bonds has been the most significant and consistent local revenue source to finance the production and preservation of affordable housing. Voters recognize that including affordable housing in our capital plan bond location schedule is how we stabilize neighborhoods that have experienced displacement, it's how we house the most vulnerable among us, how we house our workforce, and ultimately how we keep the next generation here in our city. We urge the city to assess and pursue a strategy that would ensure the highest level of success for how to stage both a local and regional affordable housing bond. Even with our absolute commitment to ensuring success for a regional bond, we know that this measure also depends on a regional electorate's uncertain support. And if we do not advance a local funding strategy, we may be left without any housing resources if the city only supports a regional bond that does not come to fruition. A local bond would also be critical to implement the host of local strategies that the Board of Supervisors adopted in the 2023 housing element above and beyond what a regional bond would fund. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you much, Charlie Shamas, for your comments. Um, Mr. Lamb, uh, Madam Chair, that completes our queue. Thank you. Seeing no more public comment, public comment is now closed. Supervisor Safai. <clears throat> I just want to say I really appreciate the comments from uh, folks that came in person today. I know that this is not an easy process to understand, um, but one thing that uh, President Peskin said that, that, is, that is a truth is that when we allocate monies for um, capital projects, you have to have a detailed list of actual physical things that you intend to do. 
And so one thing that I'm going to suggest, and there, there is flexibility within the, the existing buckets that we have. For instance, you talked about building new housing or renovating new housing, and, and there is room when we're talking about our affordable housing to come up with some detailed plans on how that housing is built, what it looks like in the end, and, and what kind of climate goals it's achieving. And so we can, we can work with you and, and, and your group, and we can talk about that while we're working on the affordable housing detailed plans and so on. So that's something that, that can happen within these existing um, proposals. The other thing that I will say is that we, we do have to build more housing. Um, it is a reality. And we have existing buckets of money that we've utilized in the past for existing housing. And some of that is um, our monies that we put toward our small sites program, some of the monies that's existing, this general fund um, that we put toward affordable housing within our existing system. And then we, we can utilize that again to achieve some of our environmental goals. And so I'm, I'm committed to working with you on that. But we do have a need to build more actual physical housing. And so, you know, one of the things I talked about last week and I talked about this week and Supervisor Peskin, uh, President Peskin talked about is that because there's this existing capacity, I think it's important that we allocate that toward one of the most dire needs, not the most, I'm not saying it's not, and I'm not trying to pit the two against one another, but we do have an affordable housing crisis in the city, and I think we can do affordable housing and achieve environmental goals at the same time. Uh, so I, I'm prepared to make uh, amendment to use some of that existing capacity. It was somewhat read into the record, I can read it again, but that we would add a further resolve that this board amends the capital plan to revise the amounts of the general obligation bond uh, scheduled for 2024, such that the amount of the affordable housing and shelter geo bond shall increase to 340 million and the amount of the public health and shelter geo bond shall be increased to 320 million. I think that's a good balance. I think that still allows us the flexibility in the future to define what is in those categories um, and Anyway, so that's, that's, that's my uh, proposal. Is that a motion? Yes. Second. Supervisor, before we call the road, though, Supervisor Ronan. I will not be supporting this motion for all the reasons that I stated earlier. I, um, you know, have been working on getting more affordable housing uh, with everything in me for the past six years. Uh, but I don't know how this will impact the much bigger bond that is a few months later that could be problematic. And I, I, I don't think we should take this lightly. I don't think today it's necessary to, uh, to put this money anywhere. This is gonna be an ongoing discussion. We're gonna to have to come back with the, uh, to, to revise the capital plan anyway. So I will be opposing the motion. Uh, with that said, um, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. On the motion to amend uh, the resolution to, uh, to include the language just read into the record by Member Safai. Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, no. Member Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Member Ronan. No. Ronan, no. Member Walton. Walton, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Uh, we have three ayes with two noes with Vice Chair Mandelman and Member Ronan in dissent. Thank you. The motion passes, and uh, you, but then uh, the amended item needs to be continued 
for one week, and so I make the motion to continue to next week. Uh, with that, uh, I need a second. Second. <laughs> Thank you. Second by Vice, uh, by uh, Supervisor Safai and Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. On the motion to continue this resolution to the May 3rd meeting of this committee as amended, uh, Vice Chair Mandelman. Mandelman, I member Safai. Safai, I member Ronan. Ronan, I member Walton. Walton, I Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, I. We have five eyes. Thank you. The item continues, but I have to say, Mr. Brian Strong, you got you got a lot of work cut out for you uh, ahead of time. You know, as you can see, and I think that uh, it it should not. No one should actually under the impression that this is a done deal, uh, no matter what. So uh, with that, uh, Mr. Clerk, is there any other business before us today? Uh, Madam Chair, that concludes our business. Great. This meeting is adjourned. Thank you, colleagues.